The Last Word with Matt Cooper. John Gibbons is with us for the last word on the environment. John, I'll get your take on that EU climate monitoring report in a couple of moments, but just a little bit closer to home and certainly close to Dublin. A lot of people looking at the lakes in Blessington and wondering what's going on. Yeah, good evening, Ian. Um, what we've What's been detected in Blessington and, in fact, in a, in a number of lakes around Ireland uh, are what are called algal blooms. These, I suppose, they, they would uh, be green or reddish uh outbreaks, if you like, of, of uh, algae sweeping across the lake surface. So uh, these are pretty dangerous, uh, particularly for aquatic life. They also can be dangerous. Uh, they can be fatal, for example. What causes it? Well, generally speaking, algal blooms are caused by uh, the an excessive what are called nutrients entering the waterways. So typically, what's a nutrient? A nutrient would be something like uh, nitrogen, chemical nitrogen or uh, excess nitrogen, say, from uh, could be from human waste if it finds its way into the waterways or most likely from uh, agricultural or forestry sources. So basically, nitrogen and phosphates, these are applied on the land uh, and they basically wend their way into, particularly into waterways like lakes that are very vulnerable. And they're also particularly, uh, Ian, they're accumulating in Ireland's estuaries. So we're finding really, really high levels of um, uh, nitrates and, and other chemicals, similar chemicals accumulating, uh, as I said, both in lakes and also in estuaries. And uh, the, the case in Blessington, now it doesn't appear, at least according to Irish Water, this doesn't appear to represent a threat to public health. I think that's important to stress. They filter water very carefully from it, but certainly uh, it makes that water a no-go area for either for humans or for, for pets. Uh, that, that's the first thing to consider. And, and most people will be aware of algal blooms probably because they've heard recently about Loch Ness, which, which is a is huge lake. It's the largest lake. Probably not getting as much attention in Northern it, Ireland as it should be. It, probably not. I mean, Loch Ness is huge. It's 400 square kilometres. It makes the largest lake in either Britain or Ireland, the same size as the island of Malta. It's a huge lake. And basically, that lake is effectively dying as a result of nutrient runoffs from, from principally from agriculture surrounding the lake. And that, that the lake has been used and abused for decades, uh, very poorly managed, lots of people pointing fingers at each it's other. It's privately owned, isn't it? Yes, it is. There's a guy, a guy called Lord Shaftesbury who apparently wants a ton of money. He's a property developer in London. Yeah, yeah. Company, yeah. And I think he, he picked it up 400 years, or his family picked it up 400 years ago at a, at a very a very keen price, I believe. Yeah. But I think the important thing, Ian, about Loch Ness is Loch Ness is a salutary warning. If we allow excessive nutrients, if we allow our waterways to get polluted, we're going to lose our lakes. And I think we're seeing this. The Environmental Protection Agency have been saying this. We've had a marked decline in quality of Irish waterways, particularly since about 2015. And this is linked in parts of the country to dairy intensification. And we are seeing something like half of our, of our waterways are now considered to be in an unsatisfactory condition. Now, the problem with nutrient buildup is it happens very stealthily. And you can go to a lake or a river that looks sort of okay and then particular set of, of uh, environmental or meteorological circumstances and you can get a huge algal bloom. So really, Loch Ness is a warning and I think Blessington Lake is a repeating of that warning that if we're not careful, if we allow pollution, unmanaged pollution, excessive pollution, uh, we're going to have huge problems. We're already beginning to see uh, the, the, the direction of traffic here and Loch Ness, as I said, is a warning that if we don't crack down on high levels of pollution entering our waterways, we're going to be facing similar disasters in Ireland in the coming years. Yeah, I think there's a sense that it's, it's certainly no way as bad in Blessington than it is up in Loch Ness. But not we yet. are 
Guardian. Well, but also, I'm, I'm looking at the UK, and they are now talking about changing the mandates for getting building going and various other things and allowing more nutrients to go into water. Absolutely, and, and, and this again has been part of the British government's uh, U-turn, uh, getting rid of what they call the green crap, except it is green crap that we're ending up with, which of course is poisoning our waterways. So yeah, that's very much an ideological flip that you're seeing in, in Britain. Uh, hopefully it's not it's not what we're, not the way we're going to go in Ireland. Uh, I think we hope we have cross-party yeah, agreement. We should have cross-party agreement. We all want clean water. There are five million people in the Republic of Ireland who depend on clean water, and I don't think any small subset of our population should be allowed to destroy that asset uh, for everybody else. Certainly one thing is you can see the visual impact, which hopefully will make people think twice. John, let's move on to the that report that came out today by the Copernicus Climate Change Service and September, which I don't think is going to be surprising anyone, the hottest on record. That's right, Ian. And of course... Uh We've had, uh, obviously, September is the hottest September ever recorded. Uh, So was uh, May, June, July and August. So basically we've had a run of unprecedented record-breaking temperatures. Now, what makes September so extraordinary is that the jump over any previous September is 0.5 degrees. And the best way I can describe this, Ian, it's like as if you're watching the 100-meter race and somebody finished it in seven seconds. It would be impossible. You'd say, we better get that guy in for a drug test. So essentially what we have here, the reason you can have such an explosive increase in temperature in such a short, you know, over what's gone before, is because our weather systems, our climate is now effectively on steroids. We've, we've superheated it to that extent. Is the danger now that we're going to just, these records are just going to be completely smashed every single month and we'll just consider it the norm now? Yeah, I mean, there's a real danger as well, by the way, of, of sort of climate fatigue here, where we, you know, we report on this and everybody's saying, oh my goodness, that's terrible. And then next month you say, but hang on, Ian, didn't we cover that last month? And eventually we kind of get blind to the threat. So it's it's creeping up on us. And you're absolutely right. Things that appeared shocking two, three, four, five years ago are now appearing mundane. We need to be super careful. And, and again, if I could use another analogy, what we're seeing here uh, in our climate system, if you can imagine somebody in a canoe and that canoe is sort of flailing from side to side. That's what we're seeing with these high temperatures. Now, at a certain point, the climate system will reach equilibrium. The problem for us is, to use the canoe analogy, the canoe's equilibrium might be upside down, but that's not good news for the guy in the canoe. So we need to be super careful. The amount of additional energy that is being poured into the global climate system is causing these extreme weather events. Uh, This really is rocket fuel for our climate system. And the danger, Ian, really, and we're beginning to see signs that we may be approaching an inflection point whereby our climate suddenly jumps into a much hotter phase. Well, there's a warning on that from Pope Francis, who is saying we are near breaking point. And he is somebody who has, fair enough to say, a track record of warning on the environment. That's right. Uh, Pope Francis, he's now 10 years in office. And uh, in 2015, so he was only two years in at that stage, he produced a 200-page document called uh, Laudato Si. And that was really a really hard-hitting document, uh, I suppose, castigating the, the damage around climate change and also the, the injustice of, it, uh, of, of an attack, if you like, by the wealthy on the poor, because the poor, of course, are suffering in the short term uh, extreme climate impacts. This chimes in with a text, John, that's coming. Climate change is a global problem. It doesn't matter what we do unless we are all doing it. The only way to approach climate change is to sell it as a money-making opportunity. That's all some leaders will respond to. Yeah, that's a view. I suppose Francis takes a slightly different view. Uh, he takes the view, right, whether you agree with it or not, that 
At heart, we're moral creatures and we have a profound sense of justice and injustice. And climate change represents an incredible injustice, maybe the greatest colonial-style injustice in all of history. It's an injustice by the rich against the poor, by the global north against the global south. And I think it's important to say in that... Francis, what gives him this perspective is, of course, he's the first Pope from the Global South. He's an Argentinian and he grew up and he experienced uh, in his adult life uh, what happens with economic collapse and uh, particularly neoliberalism, the devastation that was wrought on the developing world by uh, the, the, the traps of debt and so on. So I think it brings he brings a very, very sceptical eye uh, to the discussion and I think he's far more conscious than any world leader that I can think of, with the exception of Antonio Guterres, the UN General Secretary who uses similarly stark language to say, listen, guys, we are in a whole ton of trouble here. If we don't turn this around really fast, we're going to lose everything. And I think it's really, really important to stress what we mean by everything. We mean 500, 1,000 years of civilization progress can be swept aside in the next couple of decades. Just one text from Lar in Dublin. Get real. We've had a cool September. Who's had a cool September? Ireland. Here in Ireland. Uh, well, we haven't really. I, I haven't seen the dash from Medairn. Uh, we had, I think it was 27 degrees early in September. But also, of course, what we're talking about here is the global climate system and global climate averages. So, um, you know, if you can find somewhere in, in I don't know, uh, Norway that had a cool September, what that tells us is uh, the regional point. But what we have to focus on and what we stay focused on here, of course, are the global averages because we all operate under the shared global atmosphere. Uh, uh, so therefore, what we need to focus on is the condition of the global climate system. John Gibbons, thank you very much for coming in. We'll speak to you next week. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.